The Athletic. Totally Football League show. Reading get a late kick up the arse. Chef you find their shooting boots. Ipswich's ignominy increases. Sutton celebrate. And the manager of the month curse is in full effect at the seaside. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Hello, listener. I hope all's good in your particular hood. Matt Davis-Adams here again to talk all things EFL. I'm joined today by Flo Lloyd-Hughes. Howdy, Matt. How do yourself? Uh, Adrian Clark's also with us. Hello, everybody. And so to Sam Parkin. Hi, Sam. Hi, I'm Matt. Uh, loads to get through today. Let's get straight to the championship. Ah, the summer was fun, wasn't it? No allegiances. Everyone getting behind England. Three lions being sung everywhere. But now the Premier League is back. Get Grealish off the bench. Ah, he can stay on it at City. Pickford might have been a safe pair of hands, now he's just a pair. And enough of Jules Rimet dreaming, now it's our turn to dream. So kiss goodbye to that vomit-inducing unity and welcome back proper football. Let's celebrate flair on the grass, not a flare up the... <coughs> Paddy Power! 18plusbegumbleaware.org You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Championship headlines. West Brom, the new leaders, despite failing to beat Millwall. That after Fulham slipped to their first defeat of the season. Stoker up to third. Cover in the playoff places. Sheffield United's goal-scoring woes are officially over. And Forest have made their worst start to a season in 108 years. FML, uh, as somebody younger than me might say. Uh, it's at Bramall Lane where we'll start our championship recap. The previously blunt blades sharpened their Sheffield steel by hitting Peterborough for six. Ilman and Dye scored twice on his full debut. Morgan Gibbs-White netted on his blades bow, whilst Billy Sharp registered a hat-trick of assists. Um, Flo, that sounds to me like pretty much the perfect day then. Yeah, exactly what they needed. I think last time I was on this podcast, maybe three, four weeks ago, we were talking about how Sheffield United had gone very stale or stayed very stale following their relegation. And maybe Ndiaye was the answer to that. And yeah, he's kind of proved that. And I think Billy Sharp as well contributed really importantly at the weekend, um, having some assists. So I think, yeah, a, a very important performance because they needed a, they needed a confidence boost and they've done it. They, they've kind of thrown off their shackles a little bit. And I suppose their season sort of starts now. Clarky, you could almost see Slavisa Jukanovic, his, his smile was so beaming in the post-match, you could almost see his thought process of, see, bored, I told you, give me some players <laughs> and, and we can change this and do better. Yeah, good smug face, wasn't it? Really impressive. Um, and look, he had the right to feel smug. He'd, he'd had a bit of time, I guess, on the training ground with the players. He'd maybe got some of the guys a bit fitter. He said, actually, didn't he, that, that he'd picked the side on the basis of some things that he'd tried out in training, some combinations. And, and myself and Sam have been saying for a while Sheffield United needed more of a link from midfield to attack. And, and we definitely saw that with Gibbs White and Illiman and, and Dai, who, who was at Hyde United uh, in 2020 on loan. It was just a revelation in this game. He was, he was outstanding. And, and between them and Billy Sharp, they had guys that were, were really vibrant on the day, passing, movement. And if, you, if you're going to um, come up against three centre-halves, three sort of typical, strong, 
not lower league centre halves, but that's what they have been in, in in the past. These Peterborough guys, you've got to disrupt them with good movement, and uh, and that's exactly what Sheffield United did on the day, and they ripped ripped them apart. Twenty four shots, nine of them on target. That is the blueprint, I think, for Sheffield United moving forwards. And, and I've got a feeling that that they'll slice through better teams than Peterborough in the coming weeks as well. Yeah, they've got a nice run coming up. Next three for them, Preston at home, Holloway, Derby at home. So you think they might be able to get on some kind of run of form. Uh, on and Dai, by the way, signed a new three-year contract last week, having been set for the exit over the summer. You can read all about that over on The Athletic. Uh, Sam, on Thursday, I asked you if um, Peter Rue will be copying Huddersfield's approach to a game at, at Bramall Lane. They, they clearly did not. How did it go so badly wrong for them here? Well, I think you, you have to enormously credit the opposition uh, Slavisa Jakanovic has obviously been trying to recapture the form that Sheffield United showed under Chris Wilder in terms of the system. So I think you have to point to him changing the formation and getting more um, attacking creativity into the side as a massive plus for them. So I think that's the first ingredient that Sheffield United have got a very good squad and were hugely improved in this game. I think Peterborough missed Beavers and Nathan Thompson two of their better defenders. And I thought in the wide positions, they were badly exposed. We know how good Ward has been going forward, but to allow uh, Ben Osborne to get two goals, I felt he ran off him far too easily. And, and Osborne was one of the, the changes within the, the Sheffield United system, him playing a bit more advanced. So I think a positive for Peter was they've scored twice because they got the lowest, uh, they certainly had the lowest expected goals so far going into the weekend. So Clark Harris up and running, Marriott, up and running, you know, there's um, there's something there in defeat, but of course they need to, to tighten up. But I wouldn't read too much into this into this performance. There's there's better days to come for Peterborough, I'm sure. Eight goals in Sheffield, a further six in Reading, where the Royals shared a 3-3 thriller with Queen's Park Rangers. John Swift bagged all three for the host, but Stefan Johansson's stoppage time leveller ensured Rangers remain unbeaten. We've got two QPR fans on, so we'll let them uh, lavish them with praise or not momentarily. Clarky, that leaves you with Reading. Had lost their last three games, but this will feel like another two points drop, won't it, given the circumstances? Absolute joker for them. Um, And for John Swift, who scores a great hat-trick. Unbelievable individual performance from him. And all, all everyone's feeling at the final whistle is deflation. So feel a little bit sorry for him. I'm sure his his performance won't be overlooked by the fans or the or the manager. So so yeah, that that was the positive, wasn't it? But at a time when when the manager's probably under a bit of pressure, we know that there are other issues at play at Reading and you know, off the pitch, it's it's been difficult. But Paunovic, because of the results, is under a bit of strain to give up a two goal lead late on does raise question marks over over his game management and he did make a change. He, he took off a striker and Puskas and, and brought on the defensive Tom Holmes in a bid to sort of shore things up and it didn't pay off. So, you know, he will bemoan the players He did, and he did. He called them childish, which I thought was quite, quite strong really in terms of, of, of criticism for, for within a dressing room. So that'd be interesting to see what reaction there is to that. But yeah, he, he made a defensive change to shore it up and it didn't work. So all eyes will be on him and what he does moving forwards. But yeah, Reading will always score goals. They've got gifted players, Ajaria, Swift, Puskas, loads that aren't in the team at the moment because they're injured. But at the back, they have been horrendous. Absolutely shocking. 
and they weren't last season with pretty much you know very similar personnel. Um, so yeah, <laughs> Paunovic will be scratching his head because it, I think three of the back four are pretty much the same. Uh, he'll he'll be saying that it's not his coaching. He'll be laying the blame at, at individuals for underperforming. And yeah, has he got the the players to come in and and to change it up? Probably not. Flo, you're at the Emirates on Saturday when you you checked your device and scored the full saw the full time score from Reading. What was your thoughts? Were you thinking, I'm glad that we've shown the result to fight back, or this was a game we ought to have been winning? Oh no, certainly, certainly the former because I'm, I've got a family WhatsApp group, and see me and my family are all QPR fans. And one of my little brothers was at the game, so I was getting constant updates. So I felt like I was, I was there. I was getting updates from my brother who lives in the states, who could stream the game, and he was kind of sending us little GIF clips of of the goals and chances. And then my brother sending me kind of like live reaction shots. So it, was, it definitely, definitely felt like I was part of the experience. I think. It's just another sort of tick on the QPR timeline this season. And that's twice now this season already that they've come back from being two goals behind. The resilience in this team is just shocking, really, given previous QPR sides and the lack of. Um, and so I think, yeah, just go from strength to strength. And it's it's reassuring as, as a QPR fan or for any football fan to know that actually whatever happens, your side have a still have a good chance at, at getting back into it. And I think that's, that's brilliant. I mean, when in the past they haven't been ruthless with their opportunities, now you feel like when they do go forward, there's a really good chance they're going to get a goal. Those defensive frailties still exist, but I do agree with Adrian I think John Swift's hat trick was very impressive and I think it's great you know taking my um, QPR hat off and obviously I'm chuffed with that like I think it's great to see a player like like him grabbing this opportunity with both hands the fact that injuries have mean that he can finally you know get a really important role to play this season he's in tremendous form so that's a positive for Reading but yeah I think I think QPR will grow into this season defensively. We know Rob Dickey is a, is a key player for them. I just think they've still got some players that Warburton's brought in, like fullback wise, that they haven't quite worked out what's the best blend yet. But that will come. But yeah, still unbeaten, one of the very few sides to be unbeaten in all, in all competitions. And yeah, just shocking, really. <laughs> Do you think they've got the squad depth, Sam? And if not, is the key kind of staying in touch with those playoff places till January and then looking to, to add some more maybe? Um, I think they've got a good squad. Um, of course, Mark Wilberton will look at it and if he feels he needs one or two more, I'm sure they'll be proactive in January, but you only have to look at that result and the way they were able to salvage a point at the weekend to show that there's good depth. I'm talking about my mate Albert Adoma in particular. I don't think Flo was on when I slaughtered him a month ago, but... Um, He's a super sub, Sam. Yeah, he had, a, you say that? he had a great impact. Um, so I'll eat a little bit of humble pie today because I thought his performance was exceptional from the bench. Obviously involved in both the goals. And Andre Gray coming in. What a start for him getting getting his first goal, I think, with his first touch. So absolutely perfect. Lyndon Dykes is in great form. Charlie Austin not in a brilliant vein of form right now. But that's three very good centre-forwards to be... Um, obviously supplied by chair and we look who I absolutely love. So I don't think there's too much wrong with the squad to, to answer you, Matt, and uh, very much looking forward to getting down the M3 tomorrow and seeing them in action in the flesh at uh, Bournemouth. Yeah, Sam, Flo, know you love QPR. Must be really excited by what you're seeing. In a pretty weak championship season, 
this is a great chance, isn't it? Great opportunity for them to make the playoffs. Based on what I've seen so far, I, I fancy them. I think they should be in the playoffs this this season. Are you you as confident or not? Yeah, I, I certainly think. I certainly think. I think for <laughs> for the club and for a lot of fans, playoffs was a very realistic aim actually this season. Personally, and I know other fans will disagree. Agree. I actually wouldn't necessarily want them to go up because I think they would get absolutely slaughtered in the Premier League and would have a very small chance of staying up. So it's kind of like, well, is it worth it? I know for a lot of football fans, especially fans of clubs in the Football League, you do wonder, well, what's the point in, in going up if I'm just going to watch my team lose every week? And that's not very fun. Actually, being in the Football League, there is much more sense of kind of surprise and every weekend you don't really know what's going to happen. And that you, you might, you're going to see your team win at some point. And I think that's, for me, I I. I kind of enjoy that a bit more but obviously it's brilliant to get promoted but I just don't I just feel like is it the right time uh, I'm not quite sure There speaks a supporter who's seen her team in the Premier League within the last 20 years um, Sam before we move on from this game last week you you were rightly critical of the banality of footballers post-match tweets <laughs> wanted to get your take on this one from Mark Warburton Outstanding support once again today, exclamation mark. Our fans made a real difference, exclamation mark. Many thanks, exclamation marks. Always appreciated, comma. Never taken for granted. No full stop. Um, is that acceptable from the gaffer? Just about. Just about. He has to do it in defeat. I thought, I thought of Sam when I saw that tweet. I was like, wait till Sam sees <laughs> He's this. He's got to do it in defeat but um, as well. But in his defence, I think Marble Warburton, where he came on this podcast and he was excellent. I think he's very good. And he's spoken to one of uh, me and Flo's colleagues already this morning uh, in preparation for tomorrow's game. And he's always very sprightly with Phil, Phil Parry, who he likes to name check after every question. So he, he, he's a good bloke, it would seem. <laughs> Um, let's move on to the shock of the day. It came at Bloomfield Road where previously winless Blackpool got the W against hitherto unbeaten Fulham. Josh Bowler with the moment that mattered just after half-time. Clucky, first win in more than six years at this level for Blackpool. It, it's been a bit of a wait for them. But yeah, as the manager said afterwards, they've got to lose at some time, Fulham, and we've got to win at some time. That's a pretty basic team talk, but it works. <laughs> Very impressive. I, I didn't see this one coming. I thought that Fulham would stroll to victory but I think it was a good time to play Fulham Fulham had a lot of players away on international duty a couple of them that were included in the starting 11 had been in Honduras I think um, which I think Marco Silva will maybe look at himself and think did should I have left them out really and obviously they were missing uh, Carvalho and Harry Wilson as well so so Fulham were, were, were tired and weakened but I don't want to take too much away from a really spirited team performance from Blackpool I think they're a bit short on championship proven championship quality and experience but I do think they're going to grow into this campaign um, in midfield I think Ryan Wintle who who made the move didn't he to Cardiff from Crewe and, and has been loaned out to Blackpool that's a great pickup. Alongside Kevin Stewart, I think they were great. Two centre halves, fantastic. Ekpeteta and, and Keo. Um, and as a team, I noticed, noticed they made 17 blocks in the game, Blackpool, and seven of them were from inside the box, three apiece from the centre halves. It was one of those kind of wins. Great goal from Bowler, who sort of, I don't know, waltzed his way into the box. Really positive play from him. Got in front and then and then. They comfortably held out, really, against against the talented Fulham team. So, yeah, great confidence booster for the Tangerines. Um, but 
I think that Fulham Fulham had a, a rear off day and they weren't really equipped for this type of match. It was it was perfect timing for Blackpool. I'm not a stato, I leave that up to Adrian, but <laughs> I did look at the XG on this because I think we know and, and Fulham showed on Saturday that they're going to create a lot of opportunities and like Adrian said, maybe this is a, a brilliant warning sign for them of some of the other qualities you need in a championship season where you might need to win a bit uglier. I think Fulham's XG for the season so far has been 1.75 compared to Blackpool's 0.74 and on Saturday that dropped to 0.82 for Fulham and Blackpool's was only 0.46. So if Blackpool can master that side of things in terms of getting points when they need to, they might have a chance of staying up and Fulham the opposite. They've obviously got the quality and the creativity, but when things aren't quite working, they've got to find a way to win and that's where, you know, that that will kind of give them that final piece of the puzzle, I suppose. Yeah, Fulham's first defeat. Um, Listen, maybe you didn't know what Marco Silva's favourite English word is. His post-match interview gave us a good indication. He said, we wanted to give again a good result, if possible a good performance today. There were a good number of fans here to support our team. We were not good enough this afternoon. It was not a good performance, uh, Sean Ryder once said. It's like the opposite of uh, Warburton's... It's like the op- yeah. opposite of Warburton's tweet, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, Sam, just lastly on Blackpool, do you think they've got enough goals to stay up? Could do with somebody other than, than Bowler or Shane Lavery chipping in every now and then? Yeah, I think I think that's always going to be the struggle, but Lavery's had an unbelievable start. Um, Yates contributes so much um, outside the box, but I'm sure when he gets up and running, be a threat. And I thought John Jules was really good at the at the weekend so I wouldn't be overly concerned in that department um, and I just felt I felt there's some really good performers in the in an attacking sense from from Blackpool as well as having a obviously a regimented defence but thought the two wide boys were were great obviously uh, got the goal bowler and um, Keshi Anderson I think that would have raised a few eyebrows him playing wide left in a four but uh, I thought he was very good as well with the ball so no it was a good attacking display when they had the opportunity because obviously you know Fulham dictated um, a lot of the, the the play and you know Clarkie's bang on it's probably a good time to to play Fulham it kind of reminded me of that I think the first game when they were back in the champ and Barnsley um, gave up most of the possession but beat them 1-0 on that occasion so it's the championship it will happen no reason to have any concern about Fulham's hopes but a great day for Blackpool. Right, loads of midweek games in the EFL this week. So we're going to build one of our midweek hackers with the help of sponsors Paddy Power. Uh, producer Ben's joining us for this. Uh, Clarky, Parky, I've got to tell you, there's been some some WhatsApp-based sass from uh, old Lloyd Hughes over there about the state of our hackers. Um, Flo, you can tell us more and give us your pick, please. Well, despite saying that Fulham will bounce back from a rare off day... I've gone for Birmingham to beat Fulham because I feel like you guys are far too vanilla with your Acker choices. Every single time I come on, I throw something into the mix to actually give us some chance of winning some money. And last time I was on, we came very close in our League Cup Acker, actually, with a few upsets. Um, We ended up losing it, but we came close. So I've gone for Birmingham to beat Fulham because Birmingham playing very well under Lee Bowie, another win at the weekend. And why not, you know, capitalise on... Kicking Fulham when they're down. Flo, the idea of an acker, right? I know that you're probably new to this game, right? The idea of an acker is that you basically gather up a load of almost dead certs, 
that are really short prices and it multiplies it so that you get a win. But if you start chucking in rogue results like this, it's... That's not my idea not of Acker, Adrian. My idea of Acker is you've got to spice it up to give no. maximise the potential. To pay off your mortgage. To pay off my mortgage for the house that I want to buy at some point. I admire, I admire your your optimism, but I don't know. It's, it's an unusual way of coming at it, i got to say. But, you know, I, I applaud it. We'll play this back on Thursday when the Acker uh, cruises home. Ben, what, what are the odds on Birmingham to beat Fulham, please? Well, Flo, your bet for Birmingham to beat Fulham comes in at a not-quite-whopping 27-10. to 10. You're not bad, not bad. Start thinking about what I'm going to spend my money on now then. Sam, you've also gone for a championship pick. I happen to like vanilla, by the way. If you were to hold a gun to my head, I might even say it's my favourite flavour of ice cream. And um, your bet's pretty vanilla too. I'm going Reading Peterborough over two and a half goals. Um, My reasoning is that Reading are scoring and conceding the most in the EFL. I think that's the worst defence currently. And Peterborough up and running after a couple at Bramall Lane. I think they'll uh, go back to that free scoring open Peterborough in this away game. And, and I, I just think the shackles are going to be off here. Both teams are going to go for it and we're going to have a lot of fun in Berkshire. Uh, what's that, Ben? About one to ten, something like that? Well, Sam, uh, if you fancy Peterborough and Reading to get two and a half goals or more inside 90 minutes, it's coming in at 19 to 10, which is almost as bad as Flo's bet. <laughs> Absolute snooze first. <laughs> Bloody hell. Given that Peterborough are the work. most shy shot team in the division, surely that's a that's a bit of a, you know. That's two crap defences. It's a great shout. Oh, OK. <laughs> great. Thank you. All right. Time will tell. Thanks, Ben. League One's next on our agenda. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. At League One headlines, Sunderland top after seeing off fellow high flyers Accrington. It's the Black Cats' best start to a season in the best part of a century. Another of the pre-season promotion favourites continued to struggle though. Ipswich, one of three teams in League One without a win after a hammering at home by Bolton. League One, the place to beat for goals this weekend. 43 of them were scored on Saturday. Shoutouts too to Plymouth and Fleetwood who both earned impressive wins against Sheffield and Rotherham respectively. We're going to start, though, with an incredible scoreline at Portman Road, where Bolton Wanderers came from a goal behind to demolish Sorry Ipswich 5-2 on their own patch. Ipswich were 1-0 up in this game. Uh, Sam, Paul Cook called this probably the lowest point of his career. You mentioned uh, on Quest on Saturday night that this is his team now. Does that buy him a bit more time? If you change a manager, you might have to change all the players again. Might it work in his favour that he's got all these players to integrate? I don't think the supporters will be feeling like that, but maybe within the confines of the the boardroom, uh, he may get a little bit more time. I think the supporters are growing very frustrated. And obviously, you know, the home games in particular are a real problem. Um, 
you know, considering the start they've had as well, they've played all three promoted sides. Well, sorry, they've played three uh, of the four promoted sides. Um, last season, they won seven of 22 against top half sides. And four of those came against Gillingham, Atkinson and Crew, the teams that finished below Ipswich in 10th, 11th and 12th. So what I'm saying is, how are they going to perform when they come up against anyone any good? Because maybe Bolton maybe MK Don's uh, stretch might finish in the top six, but I don't see anyone that they've played really being promoted this year. So it's been a really abject start. Um, I think defensively, clearly there's big problems. That's the fourth combination he's tried at centre-half. And he spoke um, about Sam Morsey in the wake of this defeat, about what a difference. I think 10 times is going to be the difference that Sam Morsey makes. Cool. That's a lot of pressure on a lad coming into a side that shipped two or more in every game so far this season. So I think two attacking fullbacks, not enough still, definitely in the middle of the pitch. So of course, Sam Morsey should improve things in that regard, but they need to win. They need to win a game and that's irrelevant of what competition it comes in. So um, yeah, I hope he turns it around because obviously Paul Cook's been um, fantastic value on this podcast and I do believe he's a... He's a very good manager, but at the moment it is just not happening. And this was a this was a desperate day for them. Clarky, what did you make of it? Well, it was a car crash at the back, wasn't it? From Ipswich Town, the defenders didn't look like they'd played together before, and they hadn't. And and, and maybe you've got to take that into slight consideration. Um, we've chucked a lot of stats in already on on today's pod. There is another one that that caught my eye, and it's in defence really of Paul Cook and Ipswich. In open play, their expected goals against is, is only 3.8, which is the fourth best in the division. But they've actually conceded nine, which tells you that they're making calamitous mistakes and other teams are producing some great finishes. So maybe that's a, a little bit of encouragement for them. But yeah, it was not pretty at all. But what they need to do, Ipswich Town, maybe the board of directors, is actually look at their weekend opponents, Bolton, and look at the manager there, Ian Everett, and think, well... They were kind of where we are now. Last season, Everett came in and they'd signed 20 new players and they were terrible at the start. They couldn't buy a win. They were awful. And everyone was saying that, you know, ourselves included, maybe Ian Everett is in trouble here. But then he found his team. He found his best 11 and they found rhythm and they shot up the league like something else and, and ended up getting promoted. So... So there, is, there are echoes of, of Bolton in, in the situation at Ipswich and uh, I don't think we should write them or Paul Cook off just yet, even though it's been horrible at the back. Yeah, I was just going to kind of echo that. I think, although it's frustrating, I think it's, it's got to turn around at some point. I think I was looking that only one of the players that started on Saturday were at the club last season. So even though they have had a bit of time, there's still even more signings, as Sam said, to come in and make a difference. And I think it will it will work at some point. It's just how long and how patient are the fans and the board willing to be when obviously you've given money, you've invested. You expect things to happen fairly quickly when you've got well, you know, potentially one of the best managers in the division. So... I think it's going to take time. I think the expectation as well is that Morsi is going to be captain. So 
that could make a massive difference in a positive way or maybe could upset some other teammates. But yeah, there's a lot of pressure on him to be the difference and things have got to move pretty swiftly. Sam, son of Morsi. That's going to be the, uh, the tag for him, isn't it? Definitely the man, but a teacher's pet. Um, our old friend Joe Crilly would be very cross at this point because we, we haven't said anything nice about Bolton. Well, they're up to third, three points behind the leaders, Sunderland having played a game more. And yeah, they've managed to integrate their summit signings very well. Uh, meanwhile, Ipswich have condemned a video appearing to show a supporter aiming discriminatory and hateful comments at Bolton's Dapo Afalayan. The club say they are launching an investigation into the matter. Uh, well, like Bolton, Lincoln City also hit five goals away from home on Saturday. The previously Limpimps took out their frustrations on Cambridge, running out 5-1 winners at the Abbey Stadium. Uh, it was billed, Sam, as Cambridge versus Lincoln. It ended up being the Anthony Scully show. Yeah, it was It was incredible, wasn't it? I mean, what a, what a disappointing day. What a tough day for, for George Williams at right back for... Um, for, for Cambridge, he seemed to be in the vicinity for for all of the goals. I would suggest maybe showing Anthony Scully onto his left foot on the outside towards towards the end of the game because just cutting in and bending sumptuous shots into the top corner. All the goals were just unbelievable. Um, it was just a display of brilliant, sharp, attacking, incisive football. I mean, 12 shots out of 18 on target. They were just deadly. And I think Mark Bonner afterwards was so honest and just, we got taught an absolute lesson today. I think more in finishing than anything, because I thought Cambridge started the second half actually really well and they rallied and they've got a real good spirit about them. But this was a, a tough afternoon for them and they're just happier, I think, Cambridge when the other team have the ball. Um, and this was a bit more even in terms of possession in that Lincoln are, are happy to counter really, especially away from home and they were devastating at the weekend and spoke so much about the balance of Lincoln's team last year, the midfield. Well, I thought that was brilliant at the weekend. Uh, Bridcut, outstanding. McGrandles, Teddy Bishop, that's some trio. And then the great forward line, Adelican, Hopper, Scully. It's another side that Michael Appleton looks to be moulding and hopefully this will be the, the catalyst for them. Clarkie, a winger doing the business, tearing up the opposition fullback, must have brought back lots of memories for you of when you've uh, watched other wingers do that in game. Hey, steady on. Um, yeah, it's been a while since I was able to uh, produce that kind of performance. I mean, that was something else from Scully. He's, he's, he's really underrated, isn't he? Last season, I think he was their joint top scorer. Wasn't even a regular. Um, and he plays wide. It, it's a fantastic return. And he's only 22. He's growing into his skin as a first team player there. And I think he's got yeah, he's got the makings of someone that can can go up a level. Um yeah, echo everything that that, that Sam said. Balance. The, the one word I've got written here for Lincoln is balance. That Michael Appleton, that's what he does. When he builds a team, he he, he thinks of the balance and and they've got a little bit of everything. Even in the style of play, even though Sam's right, they're probably more devastating on the counter than when they are in possession. But when they have to, they can build up play and they can create through good movement and, and pace, etc. So they've got a lovely, yeah, lovely um, rounded feel and style. And yeah, I tipped them to go up at the start of the season <laughs> after three straight defeats. I was beginning to think that that, that tip was, was a shocker, but... This has given me hope that that they might be able to go on a run now, Lincoln. I, I fancied them to be 
there or thereabouts. I really do. And that's easy to say after a performance like this. But but look at the bench. Chris Maguire, Jackson, Bramall, Fiorini, who stuck one in the top corner, and Lundilu, who's on loan from Southampton, all on the bench. When, when everyone's fit, they're a force. Uh, just before we move on from this game, Flo, Cambridge-wise, as, as a newly promoted side, eight points from their opening six games, uh, provided this doesn't have a hangover effect into the game against Pompey at the weekend, they can kind of put this behind them as a, as a one-and-done. We were playing a, a really good team in on a really good day. Yeah, and I think that's what Mark Bonner's kind of done, like Sam said with his post-match, just saying you know, they, were, they were so good, and I think that's important. I think watching back the highlights... It was a little bit chaotic and I feel like there was a moment where they had to kind of maybe just try and take control of the game a little bit and slow things down and they didn't do that and it just let Lincoln kind of punish them even more. So I think maybe in reflection they'll try and when, when that happens again, if they concede, you know, goals quickly, is to right, just take a moment and think, right, how are we going to get on the ball a little, more, a little bit more, slow the situation down, try and control a bit, the game a little bit more um, and that could help moving forward because otherwise, I th- you know, that could potentially happen again. Yeah, it, it's hard. When you've got the squad that they've got at Cambridge to, to control games at that level, it's, more, it's just more difficult. Um, they've had. Uh, I was just going to say they've had the second fewest shots in open play. So to have that points haul, given that stat, is impressive, and and it shows how efficient they've been. And look for Cambridge to survive this season to get themselves into mid table, they have to be super efficient. It's, it's as simple as that. Uh, let's carry on building this hacker then. I'm worried about saying my pick, to be honest. I think Flo's <laughs> going to roll her eyes. Uh, it does come from the sole midweek match in League One. Ben, I'd like over two and a half goals between Lincoln and Rotherham, please. I mean, sticking my neck out, a team that's just scored five. Well, Matt, continuing with the high-risk bets that uh, Flo and Sam have already put on, your pick will bring in massive returns of evens. There's just no jeopardy here. Like for me, I want to. <laughs> have you not been following them, Flo? We ne- this we is like, entertainment. Like one. This is fun and entertainment <laughs> for me. You know, be gamble aware. This is not about losing or risking money. This is about entertainment. And you're not entertaining with your boring picks, guys. Come on. Absolutely savage. Um, let's get to League Two quickly. League Two headlines. Barrow are investigating reports that Colchester goalkeeper Shamal George was racially abused by Barrow supporters during the U's win at Holker Street on Friday night. Uh, in not-so-horrible news, Sutton picked up their first EFL win. That means Oldham are now propping up the rest after losing at Leighton Orient. At the other end, Forest Green are the leaders after they beat Northampton and Harrogate were held by Newport. And speaking of Newport, they've unveiled their third kit inspired by local comedy rap outfit Goldie Looking Chain. Apparently, it's a two-colour heritage check with entwined GLC logos. Uh, a sentence that presumably means something to someone somewhere. Uh, now, on Thursday's show, we were doom-mongering as regards Sutton United and their problematic start to their first ever EFL campaign. On Saturday, they put those woes behind them, coming from a goal down to beat Stevenage by two to one uh, glorious scenes flow at Gander Green Lane yeah and it's felt like a long time coming I think they've they've played well at times this season wasted some good opportunities I know from working on BBC London games and getting updates and healing so hearing commentary and a lot of work that the team there have put in and covering them this season that there it's been a lot of kind of what might have been in a lot of their games and I think it was great to finally get that first win and hopefully they can they can build from here because 
we have a good chance at staying in the division and they've put themselves in the right place in a lot of their games, but just not had that final finishing touch. So hopefully this is something that can really kind of push them on. Flo's right, I think, Adrian. It's almost, it's harsh to say it, but at this stage it looks like it's Oldham plus one, doesn't it, to go down given what's happening around that club. So there is a good opportunity for them here if they can put some form together. They're capable. I mean, they won an awful lot of games last season, didn't they? They're going to have to do the basics really, really well, make make it uncomfortable for opposition teams. I think that's kind of what they did here. They are pretty good at pressing. The high line cost them a little bit when, when Stevenage raced through through Elliot List to, to score. But they do like to sort of get in the face of opposition teams and, and they've got to they've got to play on that, haven't they, this season? Um Rich, in, in Richie Bennett, they've got a big target man centre forward that that, that that can head the ball into the back of the net. It was a great header from a from a teasing cross, wasn't it, for the for the first goal. And on him, fair play to him. Throughout his career, he's thirty. He's always operated at northern clubs. He's been at Barrow, at Carlisle, I think recently at Stockport. Always in the north. And at this sort of latter stage, there he is at Sutton. It's a bit of a random choice, but but he's back in the league and, and good on him for taking that opportunity. One other thing on Sutton, that pitch, it looked ropey. I don't know what Sam thought. It looked For a brand new pitch, it looked, it looked bumpy. It looked really bumpy. I hadn't really watered it. It looked like a sort of tier eight or nine pitch. And do you know what? That might help Sutton. That, that will help Sutton because footballing teams, and Stevenage are one of those, by the way, one of the best footballing teams in the division right now under Alex Revel. Um, yeah, they didn't like it. Uh, Sam, little trip up to the loft when you got home from Quest on Saturday night to dig out the boots after the, the exploits of 40-year-old Craig Dundas. Let's hope, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great, wasn't it? Um, I'll probably get away with it on here because it's a, a light-hearted podcast, but um, we had a little look at his heat map <laughs> on Saturday evening and uh, me and Joby were uh, in unison that we weren't going to talk about this on the show but there was just a splodge of light shade in one area of the pitch on the left-hand side so I'd suggest <laughs> that uh, Craig Dundas maybe isn't as mobile as he maybe once was um, but he had 13 touches in the nine ten minutes that he was on so he, he got involved in the game and um yeah, brilliant story. He's been there, as I said, on Saturday, I think 2007, a few loan spells, obviously not featured at all really recently. So they had four players missing, actually, four regulars, Boogie or one of the players missing who got their maiden goal in the EFL. So obviously down on numbers a little bit, but um, yeah, a great story. And and yeah, I'm sure he would never have imagined that Sutton would have made it into the into the Football League. So great to see they, them getting their, their first victory uh, and it looked pretty hairy towards the end. Stevenage, even despite being down to 10 men, was certainly applying the pressure. So now they've got that that victory, I'm sure they'll kick on now. Yeah, hard luck, Stevenage. But on the plus side, that purple Harchester United tribute kit was um, something to enjoy. They just need a, a Louis Amore Rodriguez to, to put the ball in the net for them. It was amazing, wasn't it? Are you just If you've ever... Uh, shout out to our friends at Classic Football Shirts. They've got some Harchester United shirts on there and, and they put 
all the uh, tragedies that befell the club and it's quite a list you've got people like being Im- impaled on clothes pegs uh, and all sorts yeah what was your favourite I think the, the my favourite storyline was when the sniper like broke into the stadium and then the goalkeeper something to do with the goalkeeper couldn't remember but he had to like save everyone do you remember Matt that was something, mm, some yeah, sniper pretty incredible situation stuff. yeah um, younger listeners put it into YouTube or something I guess never watched it really <gasps> so good no, so no, good no interest <laughs> Brutal. Uh, last stop for us today. <laughs> that pay, that's payback for me dragging the Acker. He's being told I'm lame because I've watched one of the greatest football inspired dramas. I played Sunday football with Frank's son, if that's any good for you. Okay, was he any good? Uh, he gave away a free kick in the County Cup semi final. Never forgive him. Uh, <laughs> we better get on to Salford Bradford then. Uh, Peninsula Stadium, the last stop for us today. Revenge. A, be- a dish best served 18 months late for Gary Bowyer, who saw his Salford side pick up a much-needed win against Bradford, the club who sacked him in 2020. Uh, we'll get to, to Salford in a bit, Sam, but I was just looking at Bradford before we came on, and it feels like only a few weeks ago we were saying, oh, it's a good start. He's, he's made the transition really quickly, Derek Adams, and, and all of a sudden they haven't won in three, and they've only scored once in that time. It's a, it's a wobble, at least. Yeah, um, some tough games in there but yeah I just felt they beat Stevenage 4-1 at, at home and he played a 4-4-2 he had Lee Angle up there with Cook and Angle's been injured and he's um, just been playing the one up top um, and despite winning I think the subsequent game at Mansfield which was a bit of a freak they, they've only scored one in the last three and that's from a, a midfield player so I, I don't think there was a lot of chances good chances in Saturday's game and I think the result was representative of that, really. I think Salford are obviously struggling in that regard. And, and that's what I'm putting it down to in terms of Bradford. So he has got Theo Robinson now. He has got Isa to come back from injury. So no panic required. But I think unless they're you know ready to go, he may have to tinker with the, the system because they've just lost their way in front of goal. Um, and when you look at the squad, it doesn't, it doesn't stink of goals to me. Um, I think it's a good side. <laughs> stink of goals. What does it stink of, Sam? Um, it stinks of a, a good manager, a good squad, but one that's not gonna not gonna fly to promotion, breaking goal scoring records. <laughs> Stinking of goals. Never heard it, but I like it. Um, Clarky, who's going to finish higher out of Salford and Bradford in the league? Ah, oh, good question. Really good question. Um, think it'd be close I really do I don't think there'd be much in it I backed well I didn't back them but I sort of tipped Salford to go up and I think that they will find their feet um yeah neither team have caught fire that that is for sure um but no both I I believe will be in the at least the playoff positions possibly in the automatics Bradford I can't see it going on this run of of struggling to score goals I think three blanks out of four away games now They've got loads of options, um, so, so I'm, not, I'm not that worried. And Salford, it, it feels to me like they can, they can come good. I, I, yeah, I don't see any reason why they, why they won't start to score more goals because because the talent is ridiculous. Again, Ian Henderson was a bit quiet in in this game. Um, got got to praise the Salford keeper though, even though there weren't that many quality chances. The best ones definitely fell to Bradford and Tom King back in the side after sort of coming back from from being away with Wales. Yeah, two or three worldy saves. And and he, he probably deserves as much praise as anyone, as Matty Lund, who scored the winner. 
for, for this victory. Can't beat a 90th minute winner, Flo. Um, Gary Neville had a good Saturday, not such a good Monday because he couldn't get some cutlery on the train and felt the need to, to complain about it on Twitter. Um, but at least his, one of his teams won. Yeah, um, I don't really have much more to add um, than Sam of Adrian have already touched on. Obviously, we know the pressure is huge and we, you know you have to see where they go from here. But it's just... It, it's just mad that with all the investment and that the players and, and the talent that, that, you know, they still haven't got out of that division, but we shall see. I didn't know you could get cutlery on trains. I imagine he's first class. I mean, that that, that was what I thought. You, you get silver cutlery in, in first class. Didn't get any in mine. Yeah, my one today. There you go. More updates on that as we get them. Um, to finish off the ACA though, Clarky, your pick involves Salford, I believe. Yeah, Flo's going to hate this. She's going to absolutely despise <laughs> this pick because I am going to back... The whistle to go from te- the referee at the start of the game. <laughs> yeah. both One teams plus throw-ins. <laughs> both teams to score, no. A big fat no. So, yeah, either team not to score or one of the teams not to score. It involves Salford. It's Salford against Tranmere. Tranmere, all of their games so far, there hasn't been more than one goal. Just... Incredibly dull. And and Salford have been involved in a lot of close, low-scoring matches as well. These are two good teams. I think it's going to be cagey and they might cancel one another out. Nil-nil or one-nil, two-nil either way for me. It's not even vanilla. That's beige. That's not even vanilla. <laughs> that is bad. That's grey. Um, ben, give us a, a price on, on this individual bet and the, the boar fest of an acker. All right, hold on to your hats for this one, everybody. Um, both teams to score comes in at 17 to 20. Both teams not to score comes in at 17 to 20. Either way, it's not a great bet. And combined with all of your other not very good bets, that comes in with the ACA at just under 40 to 1. Flo, I'm propping us up. I'm propping <laughs> us up, guys. I'm definitely not including Flo's bet in mine. <laughs> you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app prices are accurate at the time of recording it's over 18s only T's and C's apply and when the fun stops stop and now before we go a fan in the away end at the city grounds had a sign that said very politely Kiefer please may I have your shirt it got me wondering if you could make a sign for a current EFL player who would it be and what would it say? It could be a manager, could be a player, whoever. Adrian, who have you got? <laughs> I've thought about this way too much. Um, I would definitely make a placard um, for West Bromwich Albion. Uh, and I would address it to either Valerian Ismail or Darnell Furlong. And on it, when they came off the coach, I would say towels for hire. £50 a towel um, for hire. And if they didn't see me then... I would take it in to the ground and I'd, I'd position myself on the flanks and I'd flip it around and say, Darnell, towels for hire, uh, just just to sort of double up. But um, yeah, I think that's, it, it could be quite a good money spinner because no away team that faces West Brom this season will, or no home team that entertains West Brom this season will put out towels. I can guarantee that. Um, so yeah, I think it could be quite lucrative. Yeah, you've got to find a way to tally it up and accept payment because you can't get Apple Pay on a football, so I believe. Um, Flo, what have you got? So mine's not a sign, but it is made out of 
cardboard. Um, I would get a 3D printer and print out uh, a chair. And then when Ilya's chair scored a goal, I would just lean over the side, stick it on, on the pitch. And then you could sit on the chair and do a little celebration. Very that good. that would be mine. I also had another story about when I did actually catch Marcus Big Knox shirt and a grown man snatched it out of my hands when I was 11 years old. But he obviously, Marcus Big Knox doesn't play for QPR anymore. Um, but, you know, just a little anecdote about the trauma of my childhood. Marcus, if you're listening, send a, send a shirt to take You owe me a shirt. <laughs> um, Sam, there's, there's quite a high standard this week. A bit of pressure mm. on you here. Very good. Very clever, both of them. Mine, not so much. I'm going to have two, though. Um, I, I, on the back of me and Adrian's text conversation the other day, I'm going to have Lee Boyer, please may I have your jumper. And I'm going to burn it <laughs> because no man over 40 should be wearing Gucci in 2021. My other one uh, is just simply going to be a little saunter down to Adams Park. Gareth Ainsworth, please may I have your hair. Yeah, I would love to, to see Gareth Ainsworth's hair on your head, Sam. Yeah, that would be mega. It would be mega. It's a Photoshop <laughs> waiting to happen. Um, mine's not as good, and it's a bit sorrowful. Mine just says, "Chris, please, please, can you can you go away? I'm really sorry. I hate to ask such an impertinent question because I know you're a nice guy, but it's just not working, and I don't want to end up in League One again." Okay, thanks. Bye. Um, it's a big sign. Uh, there's going to be a couple of us carrying yeah. it. Very sad. Uh, right, that'll do it for today. Adrian and I will be joined by Joby McEnough on Thursday when we'll be looking back on the midweek action and ahead to the weekend's games. Do join us then if you can. Until then, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an athletic media company production. The Athletic.